Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman well, way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, oh. Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public. On appointment-only basis, she offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman's You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. You, Justine, and... Welcome, Sarah Ellen. Sarah Ellen is a student of life. 
who cherishes the opportunity to live with awareness and experience the wholeness of being alive. Sarah Ellen lives in Barrington Hills, Illinois, with her husband, four dogs, three cats, 25 hens, and four goats, intending each day the remember of her inherent connection with the earth and all her magic. Welcome to the show, Sarah Ellen. Hello, Susan. So wonderful to be with you and all of our listeners tonight. Yes, indeed. Sarah Ellen and I go back quite a few years, yes? Yes, yes. Tell us a little about when we met. I first met you when I went to a Florida Herbal Conference in uh, February 2014, and um, your keynote speech resonated so deeply um, with the entirety of, entirety of my being that I approached you the next day and asked how I could uh, be more in touch with you and learn more from you. So um, I did set out to apprentice with you, which I did. Um, I left there as an apprentice elect, just as I had arrived. Um, I have since been back many times and my very devoted student consider myself still very much an apprentice and probably will be lifelong because you are so much to learn. And um, yeah, so that is that's a little bit about us, I guess. For me, Sarah Allen is one of those wonderful beings who come into my life and who I know love me unconditionally and that I can be at ease and in trust that I can be secure in your presence, Sarah Ellen. It's such a gift. Thank you so much for being in my life. Blessed be. It's an honor to be here and to hold that space with you. Thank you. You have always spoken truth to me. You have been there miraculously in times when I have needed and offered me the help that got me out of some hard places. And um, I look forward to this new part of our journey together. For those of you who are saying, I know that voice. You are probably people who listen to my teleseminars every other week or so. Instead of interviewing someone for half an hour, which, let's face it, half an hour, is, we can just hardly start to get into something in half an hour. So we have teleseminars, and those are an hour and a half. And Sarah Ellen has been moderating the teleseminars for the past, well, let's see, you moderated the first teleseminar in the house that I'm recuperating in this summer, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. You were on site there. You were one of the many past apprentices who came to offer me your physical help in my time of need, for which I'm so deeply uh, appreciative of um, the people who brought their bodies there and the people who simply sent their intention, all so helpful in my recovery. And um, I think we were worried about feedback, and you were in one room and I was in another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed, yes. 
But I don't think we were so worried about COVID. I think we were much more worried about feedback. This is true. Very true. <laughs> Isn't that funny to look back on that uh-huh. and think, oh, you know, nowadays we'd be in two separate rooms because we were worried about COVID. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so tonight I am going to be interviewing Rebecca Dawson, an international channeler, speaker, and an author who is based in Perth, Australia. She's been in practice for more than 25 years, facilitated over 2,000 private consultations. And right now, she wants to understand the shifts that are occurring for Earth and for the humans on this planet. You want to know what she's found out? Stay here until 9 o'clock or come back at 9 o'clock when I'll be talking to Rebecca Dawson. And it'll be tomorrow in Australia when we talk to her. Sarah Ellen, is there anything else that you want to tell us or um, share with the listeners before we get started um, answering questions? Uh, Well, I'll just remind the listeners that if they would like to ask a question tonight, to please press 1 on their keypad, and I will know that they have a question for Susan, and um, I will bring them on the air. All right. So let's get started. All right. And we have our first caller this evening in the 603 area code. You are live on the Thank you so much. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Good evening, Susan. And so nice to uh, meet your new assistant there. Um, So uh, this is Rose calling again. I have not been doing too well. I needed to call you and ask you your help. So thanks for being there so much. You're welcome. What's up? (laughs) Oh, Susan. Uh, I don't know where to begin. There are two major things. Um, uh, I guess the first thing I want to ask you is your opinion on what you think, how you can uh, help me. Um, I finally got together with um, my son and his wife and kids, and they've been, uh, you know, isolated because schools have been closed and my grandkids really want to get back to school, but, you know, because of COVID, they haven't been. But anyway, um, she served a lovely meal. We hadn't been together since Thanksgiving. And on Sunday, she served a wonderful meal. And I just, it was, it was so nice to be together. And, and she had um, um, cooked from scratch uh, some black beans and uh, her own homemade whole wheat, um, spaghetti, and um, we brought the salad. I can't relate the way I reacted. I don't know. Um, I I try to eat organically as much as I can, and I've been doing that the last few years. And when since I've been doing that, I have been doing so much better with my health issues. And because um, I would react in my gut and be very gassy. Um, but starting that night when I got home 
and all day yesterday, I had severe, severe pain in my head that went down my neck into my jaw, and I was so nauseated. I could not do a thing yesterday, yesterday. Today, Did you immediately I, take some slippery elm? Did you suck in a slippery elm ball? You know, I wasn't home. Um, hmm, that's why I carried I, them with me. Yeah, I've got to do that because I mm-hmm. used to But when you got home, are you home now? I am. And so you've taken some slippery elm now? I haven't. I am out. I am not happy about that. So, um, what else? I know I will... It's one of those emergency remedies that that it's good to to always have on hand is my experience. Because when I need slippery elm, I'm in no state to procure it. Yes, I unfortunately... I make those slippery elm balls, you know, and I put them around, or I put some in my travel bag, and there's some in the kitchen, and there's some beside my bed, right, so that... Because I know that, you know, I'll be in that state and I'll be, you know, like a mindless idiot. I have recommended so I have to, that. I have to, you know, like time people. travel and get ready for myself in yeah. case that happens. Because it's the slippery illness just so effective. Um, some people say that it actually even absorbs whatever the poison is. And I've certainly seen that with goats, you know, who have okay. been... Poison to the point where they're blind, where they're not able to stand, and the slippery elm has restored them to health. And I can Suddenly. do that as often. I can do it's that. So do awesome. So, yeah, um, same so on me. Because, how yeah, far away are you from a health food store? Oh, are it's really only. Far? Um, no, it's. I can get there in fifteen minutes. It's just that I couldn't. I couldn't get out. Um, I, t- I totally understand. So maybe somebody could, you, you know, there's almost all health food stores carry Sayers Slippery Elm drops. It's not like, for me, ideal because it's in steric acid, but Slippery Elm. Not all stores just carry the bulk Slippery Elm powder, but you can almost always get Sayers Slippery Elm lozenges. They're also, a, a, you know, just a handy thing to have around um, that- f- for that. Um you're thinking that there was something in the food you ate that has set you off. And the yeah. other thing that I think of when there's any kind of gut disturbance are the aromatic seeds. Aromatic Fennel seed, probably the most popular because it tastes so good, but also caraway seed and cumin seed and even celery seed and anise seed. They're all yeah. in the carrot family, and they yeah. All restore happiness to the gut very fast, and they're easy to make. Just put a spoonful of seeds in a cup, add hot water, add a little honey, and drink it. It's I'm going to do that when I finish listening to you tonight. I have, yes, I just do open that. your cupboard, you know, with your herbs and seasonings mm-hmm. and see which seeds in this family. Coriander's in this family, so you can use coriander seed. Right, I was in Miami, and I had somebody who really needed it. Well, there's you know such a a large population that uses cumin there that I just went to the store and I bought a big thing of cumin because of this person was going to be in trouble for a while because of what was going on. Um, so you can do it, you know, over and over again. It's absolutely harmless, safe enough for babies, literally. 
And again, we're not making an infusion. We're not weighing out an ounce. We're just using a spoonful in a cup of hot water and just brewing it briefly, a minute or two or three. Oh, that's all you need? A minute or two or three minutes? A minute or two or three. And just a spoonful of seeds, a little bit of honey. Drink it down. It's all good. Okay. I I, I will do that. I'm sure that you will know, help. if you do that and you say, whoa, that was good. I, I want that more and I want that a little stronger, you can pour more hot water over those same seeds and let it brew for a little bit longer. Okay. Now, see all, how all you I react have... to it, right? You seem pretty right. sensitive. You seem pretty sensitive, and, you know, doing it again might make it a little too strong for you, and that's okay. You Mm -hmm. know, do it as an experiment. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, So uh, it was the caraway, the fennel, the cumin, the celery seed, and the um, coriander, Coriander. and I missed one. I missed one. There was one you mentioned. Fennel, anise, caraway, cumin, coriander, dill. Oh, dill, yes. Celery. Right, Thank they're you. all in the carrot family. Carrots and, and parsnips and parsley. Oh, my. And and carrots and parsley, you said? They're all in the same family. They're all in the same plant family. Carrots mm-hmm. are in the same family as all these seeds. Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> and the only thing I had uh, today was uh, the the red red clover infusion because because i rotate yours and um wonderful how did that sit with you is your digestive system okay with that it didn't make me any worse no i the infusions didn't never make, make me any worse. worse all right same praise we will take it <laughs> never and the other thing i wanted to uh, ask you about um i've been having a lot of trouble with my eyes and um I have two siblings who were diagnosed with giant cell art, um, arteritis, and they their doctors immediately put them on steroids. And one, one sister is six years older than myself, and the other sister is six years younger. I am 70 now, 70, 70. And um, I've been having a lot of trouble uh, seeing and I expected to, according to what the doctor said, after they, um, I, excuse me, but I'm so foggy. I'm so embarrassed because I haven't been sleeping the last four days very well. I haven't gotten much sleep at all, like four days in a row. I'm lucky if I got two hours each night. So I'm really foggy, but um, I'm trying to do the best I can, so please forgive me. Um, um, I had the uh, the eye Gosh, I can't even think of it. My brain isn't working. I'm so sleepy. The eyes done where you, when you get uh, a certain age, sometimes people need to have the, the um, what's it called, cataract. I had the cataracts replaced last uh, a year ago, and um, he and the surgeon said I should be fine, not come back in five years. But I did have to go back a couple of times because I was still having trouble. And he said. Uh, that there was an issue. I can't remember what it was now, but he, but he said he he corrected it. And but I'm I I am not doing well. I'm trying to read. I can't read. Um, it seems like it's worse in the last few months. I've been um, racking my mind, you know, trying to think what I can do for my eyes. And I know I uh, that the antioxidants and the blueberries and all that I've been 
and bilberries are supposed to be good. I was wondering if there's anything else you can suggest because they are not taking any patients right now. And I got really scared um, because I didn't know if it was something with my eyes or if it was a reaction to the food I ate on Sunday night because all day, yes, like I said, Sunday night and Monday, today, uh, it started to get better, so I was a really little bit relieved. Um, I didn't know if it was the beginning of this giant cell arteritis, if there was something in the in the arteries in my tell, head. Tell me more about eyes. the giant cell arteritis. What are you its know, symptoms? What is it? Well, I don't know much about it because actually both of my sisters have been very ill when it hit them, but their first symptoms were um, were um, not seeing well and, and headaches, and they ignored it for quite some time. And by the time they went to their physicians, um, they said, you have to go on steroids right away or you're going to go blind. So out of fear, they did. But they've had so much trouble. One of my sisters, like for the past four years, it completely changed her being on the steroids and then she got more symptoms and then on another drug and then more symptoms and then on another drug she's on at least five drugs i don't want to go that route so i said i gotta call susan i you know i i just hope it was a reaction to the food but i know this this cataract surgery i mean a lot of women have had it done and and they're fine I don't know what it is, if it's something in the genes, because all of us have been, well, they have been much healthier than I've been their whole lives. I've had, as you know, I have the um, um, the 45-degree scoliosis on top and bottom, so 45 on top. I mean, and you shared with me how you have scoliosis. So I've de- dealt with pain my whole life and with gut issues from birth. And that's due to my early birth, and it's a long story I don't need to get into. But I know I've, I've that's been that those have been my main health problems. Otherwise, I've, I've been extremely healthy, um, but having to deal with a lot of pain and gut issues. So the slippery elm has helped me so much in the past, and I haven't had issues except this reoccurrence. So. You asked me the symptoms. I have to read up on it, but because my eyes are really not uh, doing well, I'm having trouble reading up, and I can't. My sisters aren't available. They're, they're both well, very you ill. Know, you know, let me say work. this, that I have mm-hmm. heard other people complain that yes. after their cataract surgery that their <clears throat> distant vision was good, but that their close-up vision deteriorated. Oh, yes, that happened, and I was given that my glasses were changed twice after, and it was supposed to be good. And you know what? It it was good at first, but the last few months, I would I would say since fall, I've noticed they've gotten, they've gotten worse again. And um, I've been doing, like I said, like lots of bilberry and the infusions, you know, not missing a day and eating extremely healthy and um, doing the best I can for myself. The only thing I can say, uh, you know, and and also because of my um, extreme pain issues, um, I've been doing the best I can. And I was really holding my own 
until I think I'm just not getting enough exercise, which I know I need. But otherwise, I've just been, um, you know, um, busy with the holidays and thing, doing things for other people. And But I did force myself to get out and walk today with my dog because I hadn't done that. And um, the headache started to go away um, uh, late afternoon, finally. And But I'm so fatigued. Um, it's unbelievable. And I've been fatigued like this uh, since the beginning of December. Um, so I'm seeking any other advice we might have to offer. Of the, of the arthritis? Um, my sister's inflammation, um, so it sounds like inflammation of the arteries. I'm not sure. It's it it it's like I say. I I'm I'm sorry. I was hoping that's maybe okay. someone else had called you and you had. No, that's just fine. Don't, don't worry about anything. I'm just curious, oh, and you know, because I, I, it's not I something that I've heard about. More, I, I would more say that if I was in myself, your situation that there would be a couple of things I would be thinking of. First of all, we know that in some very real sense, genes don't matter anymore. And that's because of epigenetics. So let's think about it. Your body has what are called pluripotent stem cells, which are made in your bone marrow. And the pluripotent stem cells can be anything. They, They can basically go anywhere. That's why they're so fascinating to us. So if a pluripotent stem cell is needed in the liver, it goes to the liver. And then like bumpers are put up on the genetic code. And only the part of the genetic code that makes a liver cell is allowed to express. And it turns out that you can have like genes for a disease but never express that disease. I have read about that. Thank you. Yes, I do know that. And I wasn't at so all. I would remind about myself that. about epigenetics, and I would say, yeah. this runs in my family, but it doesn't mean it runs in me. Or something yeah. along those lines yeah. to acknowledge that sense, but to step yourself outside of it. It's an odd thing, and it, it, it's nice in a way that we want to be part of our families. Mm-hmm. But being part of our families by having the same problem that our families have is is something we can opt out of. And you're certainly on the right track to that because what um, changes um, our genes, what allows epigenetics to work is, um, you know, nourishing herbal infusions, good cooked food, moving your body, all right, yoga, tai chi, uh, qigong, meditation, prayer, those kinds of things. Um, so it's not required that you exercise, but it's good to move. Yes. And I know people who just, you know, it has set an alarm and five minutes out of every hour they walk around. Yes. That's not a lot, but over the course of a day, right, one of my friends says that she, you know, her goal is to do it 12 times during the day. That's an hour's worth of exercise. Yes. I've heard she you say that. She doesn't always get there, but that's her goal. Yes. Yeah, life life intervenes as it always does. 
And I think you're on the right track with the blueberries and the bilberries. And, of course, goji berries are renowned. And chisandra berries are renowned for helping the eyes. I forgot about chisandra. I do have some of those in my refrigerator. They are dried. They are dried. What do you suggest I do with the dried chisandra berries? Try making chisandra berry infusion using a whole ounce of the chisandra. And bring that up in a quart of boiling water. And mm-hmm. if it seems too strong to you, then use it with something else. So, for instance, I made a quart of elderberry infusion. Yes. And it would be very, very strong. But what I do you know, throughout these COVID days is I just pour a little bit of my elderberry infusion into whatever infusion I'm drinking that day. And the elderberry infusion, well, the first quart of it, because I was just pouring a little in every day, lasted almost a month, and it didn't go bad because there's no protein in it. And then I looked at it and smelled it, and it actually looked and smelled great. So I poured more boiling water over it and steeped it a second time. And now my splashes are bigger, but still tastes really good. Yes. So that's, okay. you know... You know, this chisandra berry tincture isn't necessarily something you're going to sit down and have a whole cup full of. Yes, I also have elderberries in my freezer that I had picked a couple years ago. They're still in my freezer. You suggest that those would help me too at this time? Of course. Okay. You might want to make um, elderberry jam. Oh, I don't have the energy for that yet. (laughs) You don't have the what? I don't have the energy to do something like that. energy for that. So how would you use the elderberries in your freezer? Um, Well, they've been sitting there. So I think they're they're, um, quite fresh, not dried. I'm sorry, what did you say, Susan? You said that they were elderberries that you picked. So I was thinking they were fresh, not dried. I dried them and then put them into the freezer. You dried them and then froze them. I understand. Yes, you could make an infusion of those. Yes, okay. Okay. I I will do I will do that. Wonderful. And uh so that helps me with my gassiness and my and my eyes and the nausea and um I also started to get a scratchy throat. Uh, um, I finally was able to take a little little bit of a nap for about an hour before your your program began, and I realized I awakened with a little bit of scratchy throat. And um, I realized that I never got to um, go on and listen to, I remember, when after COVID started last year, you said you had something free online, what to do to prevent COVID, to keep your immune system strong, whatever. I never was able to do that. My computer was on the fritz at the time. It's still not too reliable, but do you still have that free thing that you can go to on the site to see what you suggested? I um, do. It's at wisewomanschool.com. Wise Woman School. Wise Woman School. Dot com. Okay. Is, is, should I involve um, Echinacea? I haven't had any experience with that. Um, and can you suggest anything else for the 
sore throat besides the slippery elm, I think might help, or the yarrow. I do brush my teeth with the yarrow. How wonderful. That little scratchiness in your throat that you felt this morning, has it gotten worse over the day? No, I actually didn't start to feel the scratchiness in my throat until after I wakened from my nap. After the nap. Has it gotten worse since your nap? Yes. Uh-huh. No, it, it's it's the same, but I, I've i only been up for about an hour, mm-hmm. and it's still the you same. No, I'm wondering I... if marshmallow might not be a wonderful ally for you. And oh, and you can, you know, brew up a quart of marshmallow using an ounce of dried marshmallow root, and when you use it all up, um, you can rebrew it right in the same jar. Just fill it with cold water and stick it in the refrigerator, and it'll brew right up in the refrigerator in cold water. And it's very soothing to the digestive system, to the throat. And I especially think of it for people who, um, like yourself, um, really manifest um, physical distress when they encounter things that aren't right for them. And the marshmallow soothes that. Okay. Does that sound right? Yes, yes, uh, it, it does. I mean, it was so delicious, but, you know, I'm not used to eating non-organic and especially whole grains and beans that are not organic, and I doubt if she, you know, knows the correct way to do the beans so that they don't promote gas. Uh, you know, it's, she's my my daughter-in-law, not my daughter, so it's kind of hard to suggest. Just That's suggest- why you travel with the Slippery Elm. Exactly. And the fennel seeds. I carry a little package of fennel seeds with me. Remember, you just need a spoonful, like a teaspoonful for a cup. So you can easily take, you know, a couple of tablespoons of fennel seed with you. And then you have them right there. Wherever you are, wherever you're traveling, and you start to feel that little uh uh-oh, you know, you just say, oh, Mm -hmm. I think I'll have some fennel seed tea. Yes. And if anybody wants some of it, well, it's, you know, as I said, it's a tea that's given... To babies who have tummy aches. Yes. Yes, I remember. I used to give that to my little girl when she was having problems as a toddler. So with the with the marshmallow dried root, I'm going to brew that just with the one ounce, just like I do my infusions. But you say, um, on for the second brew, I only need to put it in cold water for the second brew. Add cold water to the jar and stick it back in the fridge and let it sit there for a few hours, and you'll see. It it gets, like, really gooey. It's quite interesting. Oh, okay. So I don't need to put it back um, on the stove like I think I'm doing. You don't. Not with marshmallow because it has so much goo in it. Because so much. Unlike the the linden and the comfrey, which need a brief boil. Yes, that's what I do. And with the the linden, thank you. And, um, And with the linden and the comfrey, to review, because I've been so foggy um, without sleeping much, I did I remember correctly that the linden and the comfrey, you only need a one-half ounce of those? And I not use the a full, full ounce of the comfrey leaf, but only half okay. an ounce of linden. Oh, not the comfrey. Okay. The linden is the only linden, one. Linden, because it's you, very big and bulky. It is. It is. It is. Well, you've, gave me, you've given me so many things that I'm sure will get me on the right track again. And I just wanted you to know that um, I really I really wasn't concerned 
um, until I had these awful symptoms. Um, I mean, they, it wasn't just a mild headache. It was very, very severe, you know. And then I even had some flashes of light in my eyes, and I was, mm. you know, and not being able to, I didn't want to, I don't want, I'm trying to stay away from doctors and see if I can help myself because you you know what, what they want you to do, get on a different track once you go there, so. Um, thank you so much for these ideas, I, um, and uh, I'm so appreciative of you. And you sound great, Susan. I am just so happy that you have so many people in your life that are there to bless you and help you and help you through that. I am just so grateful for all of those people that helped you. They As hear you. you. May their hearts be filled with their gratitude, your gratitude yeah. and my gratitude. Yes. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Good night, Rose. Good night, sweetheart. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, and we do have seven more callers in the queue. And our next caller tonight is coming from the 541 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um,. I am calling you um, with a let me let me gather my thoughts for a second. <laughs> um, All right. So I gave I gave birth to my third child four weeks ago, and um, everything's been going well. The birth went really well, um, but about two weeks ago, I started noticing like discomfort from a hemorrhoid and um, yeah (laughs) and so you know I I have your childbearing book and it's been guiding me through this whole process it's been really great you know hemorrhoids is the only problem that's shown up in more than one book and it's actually in three books oh okay I did not go to the other two down there yeah okay Okay, <laughs> so it's like, you know, the problem that plagues humans. I know. I talked to a friend of mine today um, who I know I knew had dealt with this after her first baby, and she's like, actually, I still have them. <laughs> so I'm like, actually, oh. right, actually, I dealt with it by learning to live with it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you do, you know, you learn which dietary things are, are aggravating to it and um you do better body dynamics so that your standing and your sitting don't aggravate it. Okay. And um, you have some first aid remedies. Okay. And you on hand in case it feels like it's getting out of hand. Okay. Um, yeah, I definitely went to Witch Hazel first. Wonderful. Fitz baths. Um, had some comfrey ointment. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Um, okay, so do you basically suggest just keep working with those herbs um, yes. and maybe check and the other resources? There's some more things in down there for sure. Okay, and um, can I ask one more thing unrelated? Which is? Um, I have experienced a couple times like a muscle spasm. Uh, kind of in 
where I imagine my diaphragm is, like my rib area. And it comes on like kind of a long wave. Like I feel it tightening up and it really, really, really tightens up to where, you know, my breathing is kind of affected. Sorry about the dog. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's just distressing. Um, I have been using St. John's wort to kind of ease that off, but I was just curious if you had any other thoughts. Motherwort is also a possibility. Okay. All right. And is there any particular thing that precedes it? Well, I somehow think it's connected to some kind of strain or tension in my upper back. Um, it sounds I don't like really, it. Yeah. You know, is there any availability for you to get any kind of body work? Yeah, um, I had been doing some massage before the birth, and I definitely want to get back to that. Um, logistically, with the COVID stuff, I was... I know, that's why I asked that way. Instead of saying, oh, body work would be great, you know, I have to say, is it? can you somehow get to, can you avail yourself of? It's so difficult for all of us. In these it's COVID tricky days. logistically right now. Yeah. It truly is. I understand, especially with the newborn baby. But I do know, you know, I might need to just kind of reach out to a wider um, community and see, because I actually had the thought, it, the easiest thing is if someone could come to my house. <laughs> but yes, the, yes, absolutely. Someone come mask I'll have to your do house some research there. And, you know, you meet them in a room that the baby isn't in and doesn't go in. Okay. Yeah, um, I haven't left my house, you know. Um, Good for you. For a while. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, do you, do you feel like I should be extra cautious with the baby? Because so far we have been, but I was kind of curious for how long and how, I don't know, like what the first time I'll be taking her out of the house is uh, this week to our midwife in their office. Hmm. Um, yeah. Sounds reasonable. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they wear masks. You, and you know, it varies there. from place to place. Uh-huh. I'm in a place right now which is dealing with a, a big surge. Okay. Right. My local small town went from five cases to 40 cases in one week. Yeah. And the big town went from like 40 cases to hundreds of cases. And my friend, the nurse down the road, who's the COVID nurse in the area, says she doesn't want to go to work. Mm-hmm. So we're all just hunkering down and being very cautious. Mm-hmm. And like you, not going anywhere. We're just not going anywhere. And mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. It's okay, you know. It's uh, perhaps hardest to be patient when you've been patient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, most days I enjoy it, and most days the hassle of even doing anything it doesn't seem worth it because um, we're just starting uh, to feel strong yeah. and getting back to things. But okay, I was really, I'm really appreciating I... the nourishing herbal infusions. Oh um, yeah. yeah. Today I was listening to um, 
some scientists talk about the role of selenium in general health and especially in COVID, and they uh, claimed that um, one in seven people is selenium deficient and that the vast majority of people who actually die of COVID are very selenium deficient. Interesting. And they noted that it is not safe to take selenium as a supplement. I certainly saw that when I worked in the health food industry. It wasn't a year that went by that somebody who bought selenium, which was for sale at the health food stores that I worked at, that somebody who bought it on a regular basis didn't wind up in the hospital from selenium poisoning. Hmm. Um, And both of these scientists said the truth of the matter is that the human organism cannot cope with one mineral by itself. The human organism has to have minerals in a general mix. For seven million years, we have been using minerals mixed together. You cannot give minerals separately and expect any good result. Mm -hmm. So I was glad to hear them being so clear and definite about that. And that's in... And how important selenium is to maximize in food. And they talked about the selenium-rich soils and selenium is picked up by the plants. And Montana, North Dakota are the two states with the greatest amount of selenium in the soil to the point that the kinds of plants that can bioaccumulate selenium, like beans, including astragalus, um, if eaten as forage by animals on those high selenium soils, can actually give them health problems. Oh, wow. And not for us, but for animals. So keeping, you know, this in, in mind, and I realize, well, the nourishing herbal infusions are good sources of well-rounded uh, groups of minerals, including selenium. Right. And so, again, you know, the whole idea of... Um, just focusing on the immune system or just focusing on one mineral um, is not how the nourishing herbal infusions are working. They're working in a more general, very structural way to provide all of the building blocks that we need. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that because I started drinking them after the second baby was born four years ago, and this whole experience just has felt... um, yeah, I don't know. I have more strength and more kind of endurance. So. Yes, more resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you so much. You're I'm welcome. Good blessings. Good night. Good night. Bye bye. Okay, our next caller is calling in from the 215 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Mary. Um, I wanted to ask you tonight um, what to do or not do in supporting through getting the second COVID vaccine. And just to set the context, I called you before the holidays. I work at a healthcare institution, and I decided I got the first vaccine yesterday. Um, the symptoms were mild. I had a couple of them, and um, the main ones were just sore arm, not too bad, but 
extreme exhaustion and fatigue was the biggest one. Um, and I hear that the, the side effects or symptoms of the second vaccine can be worse, uh, fever, flu-like symptoms, and I was not sure what to do or not do um, in terms of, you know, supporting my body in preparation for the second vaccine. Nourishing herbal infusions are such a wonderful ally for whatever it is that life throws our way. I was listening yesterday to Zach Bush, MD, who was talking about the virome. And he said, you've heard of the biome? And the biome is, you know, all living things. He said, but viruses are not living things. So they're not part of the biome. They are part of the virome. And the virome is enormous. It's 10 to the 31st power viruses in the air. There's 10 to the 31st power viruses in ocean water, and there's 10 to the 30th power viruses in the soil. And he said, just to make a comparison, that's about 100 million times more stars than there are in the entire galaxy, any one of those. So far as we can tell, we were probably, life was probably if you want to use the word created, by viruses. When we look at DNA, you know, and I'm sure you've heard that we share DNA with all of creation. In fact, 90% of our DNA is shared with all other living things, even things like yeast and mushrooms. But what I didn't know was that 50% of our DNA is viral inclusions. Because what a virus is, is a genomic message. And since we live in these trillions of viruses, since they are always in us and on us, we have to recognize, he says, that viruses aren't against us. What they are is how we adapt and regenerate and even evolve. It's a viral inclusion in our DNA that allows us to have a placenta. Well, and that's what's interesting is I was told you want the symptoms. That means your immune system is working and it's making the antibodies. And so, I, you know, but then I heard of other people, oh, let me take the Tylenol to get rid of the headache because I don't want it. So I do do the nourishing herbal infusions. And then I just wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing with the second vaccine being stronger. Is it a different vaccine, or is it the same vaccine given it's the second the time? It's the the. It's the same one, right? Is the yeah? It's it's three weeks later, and it's a stronger dose. And Moderna is four weeks later, and a stronger dose. And so the uh, possible side effects are, you know, stronger. I was 
definitely. And what are, um, and what are the statistics? Because there are statistics out there about doing just one shot. Um, I want to do the second shot. Okay, good. Um, yeah. So, that, so, so I think you're doing everything you can to support yourself. But should I? It's good. Know, like, if I get if I get a fever, if I get a headache, if I get flu-like symptoms, uh-huh. should I be trying to ease those herbally, or should I, you certainly. know, pay my? Certainly, you can ease those herbally. Okay. It's not going to because again, the herbs are not working. drugs. It's not like they're suppressing your symptoms. They're working with you. He went on to say that no one has died from COVID. Now, that's a really jaw-dropping statement. What do you mean no one has died from COVID? He says there's no virus that can live in your body for more than three days. It can't hijack your cells for more than three days before your body enzymatically gets rid of the virus. But, he says, that virus can set in motion a great deal of disturbance, which, in his words, downstream causes major damage to organs, great problems, and even death. Right. But he's saying it's that, it's that it's not because the virus is still in your body. Mm-hmm. That your body actually knows how to move into homeostasis with all viruses and basically lives there. And if one comes, it comes for a reason. And the reason is to help us adapt to a stress. Okay. And the province, the Weibai, Wubai province, where COVID seems to have originated, he says has two particular things that are stressful that we might be adapting to, that COVID might be bringing us genetic material to help us adapt to Roundup and Viruses in pigs. This province in China, of all the places on the planet, uses the most glyphosates and raises the greatest number of pigs and has the biggest lagoons of pig poo. As a matter of fact, he went on to say, and I thought it was very charming, he said, you know, I'm sure that you've heard that there's rumors that this that this uh, COVID virus was created by scientists in a lab. And he laughed, you know, he kind of chuckled, and he said, I would pit a lagoon of pig poo against a million scientists in labs for creating new viruses that spread. Mm-hmm. He says, nature is always at work. He said, we exude exosomes, which are tiny fragments of our DNA and our RNA, and we exude them into our environment. And the viruses in our environment, in the air, soil, and water, respond to what we put out and come to us 
to help us adapt. He says, viruses are not against us. They're our friends. What a wise one way of looking at it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it's, there's certainly nothing wrong with using, you know, echinacea or bone set or yarrow or whatever helps you feel better. Because okay. It's, it's not going to interfere with your body's or your immune system's ability to do what it's supposed to be doing. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I do the uh, herbal infusions, and I have echinacea, and I did some anise hyssop um, just for uh, adaptogenic, you know, just stress support. Right, as, um, um, as a tea. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a lovely tea. Yeah. And I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't trying to offset something that was supposed to happen with the um, immune response and the vaccine or, you know. Um, So, okay. I am clearer now. Good. Yes, I think you'll be just fine. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Okay, our next caller tonight is coming from the 845 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hello, in the 845. Okay, we'll try the next caller. Uh, the next caller is also coming from the 845. Being good. And the 845, you're live on the air with Susan. Okay, we will go to the next. The next caller is calling in 619 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hello, Susan. Good evening. Can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Susan, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, sorry. Okay. Hi, good evening. Um, I have a couple of questions, so I'm hoping that there will be time for both of them. I think I'll start with the first one. Um, Uh, my name is Natasha, and I am taking your um, Greenwich uh, correspondence, correspondence course, and I'm super excited, and it's going to be kind of like slow going, but um, I got to do the first um, meditation, and I just wanted to ask you about just generally um, – in I one of the instructions is to envision yourself in the future. I've always just had a really hard time with um, like visual imagination, and I was wondering if you had any guidance around that. Like I, for some reason, I have a decent um, ability to sense things, um, but I wouldn't call them visual. So. 
I wasn't able to imagine like any visuals of myself. Does that make sense? It does. And I apologize if my use of the word envision made you think you had to see something. Okay. <laughs> to me, envision includes proprioception. Okay. That inner knowledge of where your body is in space. Okay. And where your body might be in space sometime in the future. You know, my favorite okay. story is the correspondence course student who wrote and said, I'm sorry you haven't heard from me for years and years because I did that exercise about seeing yourself in the future and I saw myself as a midwife and now I've graduated from midwifery college and I'm ready for the next project. I, w- I remember, I've heard you tell that story. And right. I was like, uh, so, you know, that I, was someone yeah. who really saw herself in the future and then took action and made that future come true for her. It was, a, yeah. it was quite fascinating that she had done Amazing. that. So, yeah, I love yeah. that. And I'm, mm-hmm. I just wish, I've always had this experience that, like, I feel like I can't, it, nothing is quite that clear, <laughs> even when I, you know. Um, well, again, clear yeah. in what way? Like when you envision yourself and you feel into yourself in the future, are you happy? Yes, definitely. Do you, definitely feel, do you feel contentment? Do you feel, you know, what's, how, how are you in the future? Is it yourself in the future? And see how you are. Okay. Try it again. Yeah, I definitely wanted, like, a little bit more guidance. It, I definitely, in general, just feel like um, I'm in, you know, moving in the right direction, if there even needs to be a direction, like I am where I should be, you know? So I totally not, hear um, that. It's yeah. abs- absolutely true, and it's a very, very good way to be. And within that, having a direction can give more meaning to that. Yeah. Going with the flow and just letting things happen can wind up somewhat meaningless. Mm -hmm. And so having a sense of, sometimes called a sense of purpose, Mm-hmm. can help to, because we're always faced with choices. Should I go you know, to the right or the left? Should I choose A or B? And we have that um, purpose, that vision of who we might be in the future. To refer to it, like Vasilisa's doll, um, helps us decide this way or that. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm going to try again not, you know, see if something new comes up. Forcing yourself to do something, but that you're yeah, allowing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I love that. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to try again and see if I get any more, like if I can attune to any more information. Yeah, um, yeah great. Okay. Um, and so my second question is kind of a little bit more of a, yeah, just like a, I wanted to know how you would think about this. But so the situation is that my husband has been getting, having like kind of severe stomach upset, um, like diarrhea, let's say once a month 
um, for the last several months. And it's severe enough that, um, you know, he feels pretty sick. And this last time it happened, like, was literally yesterday, and he, like, had to poop, like, 25 times in a row. And it, But it was over the course of about 24 hours. And it finally uh, stopped today. And every time it happens, um, you know, with COVID and everything, there's this concern that uh, he's, he might have something. And But because it's happened often enough over the last um, while, um, I keep feeling not worried at all because I'm like, well, this seems to be happening to you for whatever reason, like over and over. Um, and... You know, I, I have I've I've been following you for a long time, so I have like some basic remedies that we we work with um, with slippery elm balls, and he's just like, you know, sucking on those the whole time, and um, he he also drinks nourishing early, herbal infusions with me, not as much as I do, but he does like I always give him cups of mine, and um, so it's I, I guess my question is like in cases like that because it's it's mysterious. Like, it's not obviously linked to something he ate um, and and all of that. It's kind of like, I just am wondering how you might think of something like that. And if you, we're not, we're not people who tend to want to go to the doctor anyway. So I'm just like curious um, when you have like a mysterious reoccurring illness, uh, how you might, go about thinking about it. Let me see if I've heard you clearly. Your husband has diarrhea, bouts of diarrhea, where he might have to empty his bowels hourly over a period of 24 Mm -hmm. hours. Yes. And these bouts come irregularly, but not weekly. No, right, exactly. More like every few months yeah it's been it's been he had it yesterday and then he had it um two weeks ago and then like a month before that and then like a month before that and those are all the ones i can remember but yeah so it's just become frequent enough where i'm like oh this is strange but it's not it's not like, and nobody else gets sick in the house. So, that, you know, there's there's four of us. So it's almost like it seems like it could be food poisoning, but nobody else is sick. We all eat the same things. We don't eat, you know, a lot of processed foods or anything or out, like, you know, for restaurants. I was going to say, and he doesn't on those rare occasions have something somewhere else? No, no. We all eat the exact same. Huh? He has a much more sensitive stomach than me in general. Um so, but there's no one of my pet peeves is people who say stomach when they mean intestines. Intestines, yes. <laughs> your yes, stomach more, has a very specific more, function and is quite an important organ, but it has no nerve endings. Right. Yeah. No, he has very more, much more sensitive intestines, I suppose. Yeah. Yes, his gut. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And he's how old? 35. Mm-hmm. And he's not talking to me because? <laughs> he 
was talking to somebody else on the phone right now. But I mean, I guess I, I'm sorry. I did. I knew. Well, I you know, I don't do don't secondhand like, consultations. Right, I do know, and my. I guess the reason that it wasn't. I don't know. It was kind of like. I guess my question was, what would you like? How would you think about it? I feel like he gets. Do you want to talk to her? Okay, he's off the phone. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass him to you. Is that okay, Susan? That's my preference. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Hello. Hi. Thanks for talking to me. It's uh, yes, the way you. I prefer to do it, so that we can um, look together at what's going on with you. Um, yes. So my understanding is that. Uh, you have bouts of diarrhea where you might need to go to the toilet as frequently as every hour, and that those occur every two to four weeks and has been like that for quite a few months, maybe half a year? I, I would describe it slightly different that I've had several recent bouts of diarrhea that were a bit different from each other, but yesterday had the most extreme one I've ever had that I'm was at times going every 20 minutes and that lasted it started in the night and lasted all the way up until last night um so that was just take any different. remedies at any time during that 24 hours like um, a, or a lot of or elm. anything like that natasha made bunches of slippery elm balls and i was taking them like nearly constantly and then cinnamon tea um and I think that was everything, but I may be forgetting something. But okay. particularly the slippery elm coated. The slippery, slippery elm, elm seemed to have in, no particular yeah. effectiveness. They didn't seem to yesterday. Um, I had a different bout a couple weeks ago where it was not nearly as, but I felt worse. I seemed to also have something, you know, just feeling slightly sick. And I think the slippery elm helped take care of that. Um, but yesterday, it seemed nothing was, you know, there, it was almost constant the whole day, and then finally just stopped um, when I went to bed. And there wasn't anything that seemed to slow it down. The slippery elm didn't slow it down. Yogurt didn't slow it down. It didn't seem that way. There. Um, at one point I spoke to my friend on the phone for a while and, and during that time period, it, it did slow down. So that was interesting. And I also drank. It's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Probably so, the medical diagnosis would be irritable bowel. Okay. Which means that your guts just decide they're unhappy and they're going to clear the decks, um, mm -hmm. for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. I've had intestinal stuff my whole life where, I, you know, if things were going on, I would need to go to the bathroom, like, intensely and be, you know, it would be, it would be different. More would be like I just needed to go incredibly bad and then would be, like, sweating and sort of cramping. And then once I cleared, I'd be okay. Um, and I haven't really had things like that for quite some time. Um but anytime something's going on, you know, I'm more prone. I was going to ask if there are any new stressors in your life. 
nothing like particularly overt other than, you know, processing COVID. the world. Right. right. So, you know, but we're in, we've been very blessed to not be particularly personally. Um, we live on a farm and we're, we have lots of space and our children were homeschooling. So it's not like we're dealing with something intensely stressful. We've been trying to support other families and sometimes I, I think I might swallow the stress of that, of just seeing people's difficulties and then, you know, going on about our day. Um, but personally, we've not been dealing with too heightened distress. I mean, I, I probably felt more stress when our children were younger um, and Right, right. Yes, you exactly. <laughs> so, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't say I'm particularly stressed out, but I'm stressed you do about feel stressed. the way things are. So, yeah. you know, the treatment for irritable bowel is steroids um, mm-hmm. because they say it's inflammation and then eventually surgery to mm-hmm. take out the part of the intestine that's cramping, but you don't have to go there. Um. What you have to do is become your own expert in what's going on with you and what is going to remedy it when it's going on. And you've already made Mm -hmm. a really great start by saying, well, there was this one and then this one is different. And so Mm -hmm. you have a series of allies. You have, you know, certain kinds of yogurt that work for you. You have slippery elm balls nearby. You have fennel seed tea. You have marshmallow root in the refrigerator and and you drink some on a daily basis, even if just a little bit, even a tablespoon or two. And you okay. and you perhaps sit down and have a talk with your gut and say, I really appreciate your sensitivity to the environment. Um, and I'd like to help out in any way I can. Is there mm-hmm. any part of this that I can take on that you don't have to do it for us? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we are whole organisms, and it's not like we are rebellious parts. Mm-hmm. Your gut is doing something which it thinks is in your best interest. Mm-hmm. And if you can be open to what that best interest might be and see if you can do part of it, it might calm down your gut. Yeah. There's far fewer side effects than steroids. All right? Uh, do you have any sense that it it would be a connection between food triggering that, like, like a, a variety of factors? I sincerely that... doubt it given how erratic it is. Okay. So more just trying to be with it and connect to what can soothe it um, and not look, not try to look too hard for, like, uh, physical I think things. it's pretty it's, easy if you have any kind of gut issue to be food phobic. Right. Which I'm, I'm pretty laid back about stuff, but we eat, you know. Since we, you we, are, you know, laid, I would say just continue on. Okay. The more space you leave in your psyche for communication from your body, the less you really have to worry about it. Okay. 
because your body will just naturally, because that's what it wants to do, say, oh, no, really, we don't want this. Oh, no, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Right? Any organism from a, a, a amoeba on is going to shrink away from something that isn't good for it, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Trust yourself to have the intelligence of an amoeba. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it engulfs what is good and shrinks from what is bad. Right. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you very much. Green blessing. You. No, died. Okay, thank you. Bye. Let me talk to her again, please. It looks like he did hang up the call. It looks like she's not there. Okay, let's go to the next one. We have 15 minutes and what, four or five more calls? Yeah, actually, there are, yep, five more callers on the line. Caller is calling in from the 252 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hello, Hello. 252. Okay, we will try the next caller. Next caller is calling in from the 352 area code. You are live on the air with Susan in the 352. My goodness. My goodness. Yes, the, the line is open. Are you there in the 352? All right. Well, we'll work on down the line. <laughs> okay. It's in the 209 area code. You are live on the air with Susan in the 209. Hello. Hello, did you have a question for Susan tonight? Hi. Hey, that call has dropped. So we will move down to the next caller in the 720 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hello. Hello. Okay. Hello. Hello. All right. Moving down the list. I wonder what's eight- happening. Do you suppose that I that, um, that mute has been pushed or something odd like that has happened? Um. Well, it is showing the lines are open. Um, showing show two of open. The I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know nothing about it. So. Yeah, um, just, I just looking for a more general cause. And yeah, it seems strange to be happening over and over. Um, the line is showing open. Um, let's see in the two zero nine area code. Can you hear us? You are live on the air with Susan. 
Okay, that call just dropped as well. Um, that, that, that's something that's happening on their end. They're, they're dropping themselves. Right, um, right. So, uh, okay, let's, let's keep on going down our queue. In the 970 area code, you are live with Susan. Now I'm going to go back around, see if anyone has touched back up, tune in at their phone. So in the 252 area code, you are live on the air with Susan. Hi, it's Jennifer. I think I might know what's going on. I wasn't in the queue. I think you're calling folks that weren't in the queue. And in the background, I hear a male voice saying muted every time you tried to call up my number. Now when I went in the queue, then it said unmuted. So, hi. Hi. I, I think yeah, hi. Not- Does that make sense, Sarah Ellen? Uh, well, I only see the numbers that are in the queue. So, um, I, if I'm seeing the number, it generally means that the number has one has been pressed. I don't have another explanation other than that. Um, and you're supposed to be muted until Sarah Ellen pushes the button for you and unmutes you. I've never heard right. a male voice tell me anything before, and so I thought, well, what is that? And it happened a couple of times, I think, as you were trying to queue, to call me in, and it said muted. And I hadn't put pressed one to be in the queue. I was just listening. So I don't know. I'm not a techie, but that's what the experience was on this end. Okay, thank you. I'm not sure what we do. How about you, Sarah Ellen? I'm not sure either, and there's not a male here with me, so I don't know where that voice is coming from. <laughs> I didn't hear the voice. I'm sure she did, but I don't know where it's coming from. It, it, was, a, okay. it, was, like a, it was like a recording. It was a computerized voice. It wasn't a human. computerized voice. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that input. I will um, move to the next caller, maybe give it another 30 seconds or so to make sure there's actually no one there or someone there. Um, okay, thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Good night. Thank you. Okay. In the 352 area code, you are live on the air with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Carol calling, but the exact same thing just happened to me. I wasn't in, I did not push one to be in the queue, and it, became, and it came unmuted, and I didn't call in. So I'm calling in now, but that's something's up with the communication there this that yeah this happened to that lady me too so your number is showing in the queue but you didn't push one correct ever that's correct i did not ever touch one at any point i was just listening and it said unmuted and i didn't call in so i didn't say anything because i knew it was being tricky so now i'm calling in then i did call in hit one and it said this now told me i was in the queue again and that you've answered but it happened just like that lady said it did. Oh, oh, oh. Ha, ha, ha. We must have gremlins. Yes, wow. I'm, I'm gremlins. So, let but me be clear. Are you calling me just to help us figure this out, or do you have a question? I am. I did I did call just to help you guys out. But I did read about Fever Pew, and I think it was Juliet Barkley or it was in Greaves. They only yeah. recommend using fever few fresh, eating fresh. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, and then that's something else. But, you know, the whole online, all the information online, none of that information. But that Greaves book and Juliet both say, you know, you can only work if it's fresh. 
Only rosin that's fresh. Yep, that's what I've heard, too, about the fever few. It's one of those kind of odd remedies that if you are using fever few to help you deal with migraines, that you want to grow a fever few plant and eat a portion of a leaf of it on a daily basis because it's not like something that helps you get rid of the migraine once you have it. It's something that helps it stay away. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, yes, I did call about the phone, but thanks for that because yeah. I so much misinformation when people go, well, I did the research online. I'm like, yikes, go to a used bookstore. Get some, get some grieves out of Good night. Good night. Good blessings. Hey, now we get some music. Wow. Okay, yes. Oh, some gremlins on our phone tonight. Oh, goodness. We sure do. Okay. Um, If there is another caller who would like to speak with Susan, please press 1. We have five minutes before our guest joins us this evening. This time, we do not have a caller in the queue with their hand raised. Has anyone written in? Uh, we do have a quick question, um, possibly, um, that is asking, what is a good recommendation uh, for menstrual cramps? In general, uh, not heavy bleeding, just intense pain immediately before the onset of a period. Hmm. So many women experience menstrual cramping that there are dozens of herbs, perhaps hundreds of herbs, that are used worldwide to relieve the cramping. Virtually any herb in the mint family relieves cramping in the uterus and in the gut. We haven't talked about peppermint very much this evening, even though we've been talking about the gut a lot. But, of course, peppermint tea um, is a wonderful way to help relieve uh, gas pains and help to improve your gut. In fact, one of the modern medical treatments of irritable bowel syndrome is, interestingly enough, a capsule of peppermint oil. So those kinds of mint family plants can be used to help stop cramping. Catnip is a favorite with a lot of people. So is lemon balm as well as mint. They can all be used fresh or dried as a tea or put up as a honey and used as a tea to help stop cramping in the guts and cramping in the uterus. They... Mint family plant motherwort does not taste good as a tea. So we tincture the flowering tops of Leonurus cardiaca and use that tincture. It's fairly handy to use to relieve cramps. You don't need boiling water. You just need the tincture, which you already have. And you start with about five-drop dose and wait five or ten minutes. And if it's taken effect, good. And if it hasn't taken effect, take another five drops. 
and keep doing that every five to ten minutes until you hit the point at which it actually takes effect. And the next time you take it, that's your starting dose. So if it was four doses, it's next time you take it, 20 drops is your dose. M- women tell me that motherwort works very quickly and very thoroughly to help them eliminate menstrual cramping and that it's not just at the time, but that after using it for three or four months to relieve their menstrual cramps, they stop having menstrual cramps. I can't say the same for the other members of the men's family, except I could say, well, yes, they work as effectively and they work as quickly, and they can also be dried and smoked. And that works very effectively, too. But motherwort tincture can be um, the best of the lot, to my mind. And that brings us up to time for our guest, Rebecca Dawson an international channeler, speaker, and author. Rebecca is based in Perth, Australia. She's been in practice for more than 25 years and facilitated over 2,000 private consultations. Rebecca Dawson's focus in the last seven years has been on the research and understanding of the shifts that are occurring for Earth and humanity. Rebecca is now devoted to bringing this information into accessibility, so humanity can start to have a conscious understanding of what is happening, why it is happening, and what can be created from this emerging capacity. With the assistance of her team of masters, Rebecca facilitates workshops and events around the world that allow more understanding to occur and more information to emerge. Her first book, The New Human Experience, addressed these initial observations But after 25 years of relaying this information to humanity, both individually and through workshops, corporate presentations, and speaking opportunities, there is a renewed urgency, according to the Masters. Humanity is in the midst of making a massive conscious shift that is becoming more evident daily, a shift that will have us living and experiencing life from that place of totality, from oneness, not duality, that separation that has marked our current reality. Rebecca's new book, The Agreement, has been written to help us ease into that place of highly elevated conscious awareness and prepare us to undertake this shift. It's a roadmap for embracing life from a new level of cosmic mind. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, indeed. When did you first know you were a channeler? Uh, well, that was uh, a pretty spontaneous uh, understanding and awakening back when I was 18, actually. So uh, that was just spontaneously occurred for me one day. And uh, life has been a very interesting unfolding of discovery ever since. So was it easy for you? It just happened and you just said, oh, how wonderful. I'm a channeler and this is what I'm doing now. Oh, well, not at all. I don't think anyone really plans to be a channeler. It wasn't really my uh, my career path, <laughs> so I had it laid out. 
I was actually studying architecture at the time at university uh, and was very much a left brain person, very analytical in, in my thought processes and how I approach life. So no, it just occurred spontaneously one day. I was um, giving some advice to, to a dear friend. And as that happened, uh, suddenly I felt my body expand and uh, I started to see different things and my voice began to change and suddenly it seemed as if there was somebody else in my space having the conversation and uh, it seemed like a few minutes and it was actually an hour of uh, very in-depth information and and guidance and wisdom for the person who I was sitting with. So, so, so that was very sens- easy. You had the sensation of, shall we say, being off to the side? Well, actually, at the time, my head felt very expanded and I wouldn't say I was off to the side. I would say I kind of moved took a step back so it always feels to me like I'm moving into the back of my brain almost so I'm leaning back and watching what's happening you're leaning back and something else is coming to the front that's right something else is emerging in that space that's being created there and you now call that place the masters is that is that right well, well, that space, um, at, at that time, I mean, for the first five, five years or so that I was playing with that experience of channeling, uh, you know, I had an array of different experiences of what would emerge in that space. But the masters have always been there with me from the very beginning, and they are indeed the only, uh, that's the only consciousness I work with now. And is the masters like a, a, a group well, as I understand it, it's a group energy, a collective, and, and sometimes that energy is refined and comes through more distinctly as energetic signatures or energetic frequency, uh, very specific frequencies. Um, and in that way, they sometimes appear as uh, individuals with personas. So we have Saint Germain and Seraphine and Kadumi, um, and then other times they come together as one one energy and it depends on the depth of the content actually the depth of the information and when you say the depth of the information can you give me an example of that I'm a little unclear about what that means well sure so sometimes when we're introducing new concepts um, that pertain to the collective human experience such as the changes with the earth what's happening with the mechanics of reality, what's happening with a dimensional shift, how things actually work, both on the microscopic within our bodies into DNA through to the macroscopic. It tends to be a more in-depth, detailed conversation about how things work. In those kinds of conversations and seminars, it tends to be the group energy. When it comes to personal uh, conversations and, and private conversations with people that are about their own personal experiences, it's a different tone and a different depth of detail. So we tend to talk a little bit in, in terms of how it relates to that person in what they're experiencing. And in that way, it tends to be a more personable conversation. So in those situations, the, um, it's easier to ascertain the personality of the consciousness that's coming through. 
Yes, yes, I really understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, Zach Bush was talking about viruses as carriers of genomic information and that they're really what drives evolution and that we're always expressing exosomes, little bits of our DNA. He said, but they're, you know, rather like a bulk mailing. They just kind of go out and they're nonspecific. But that the viruses are like the UPS driver. They have a specific package they're going to deliver to a specific address. And that's how they have to help us to adapt and to change. So when you're getting information that's more generally useful to a broader range of people, it's a deeper kind of information when you're getting information that's more for an individual person. It's a little little bit lighter in tone. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's lighter in tone. I would say that it's, um, it's existing at a level or in a way that is easily digestible to that person's unique signature. And as humans, I think we find information easier to exchange and receive and digest when it is presented in a very personal way. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, one Along of the most your often... way, did you have any teachers or mentors that you found useful? I actually found it very, very difficult to find a teacher. <laughs> I think, you know, when something like a spontaneous channeling experience happens for you, you know, the, the first thing is, wow, what do I do with this and who can help me to understand it and to, to guide me so that it can be be used in the best possible way. Um, and so I, I, did, I did make quite a lot of effort to, to look for uh, teachers or mentors that could help me with that. But I found it incredibly challenging. I think, first of all, because I was so young, uh, not many people are going to encourage an 18-year-old to um, really develop channeling and I think at that time, too, you know, we're speaking about a time where there was still a real firm belief that you have to have an awful lot of experience uh, and have lived an awful lot of chronological years in order to have the wisdom to be able to carry that kind of role. I don't think we believe that these days. I think we're seeing children come in who are already very awakened. But back then, it wasn't considered appropriate, really. Uh, for someone of my age or a lack of experience to be to be uh, expressing in that way. So in hindsight, it was perfect for me because a lot of the content and information that we've been delivering is relatively new in comparison to what was around at the time. So I think if I had have had a teacher or mentor, I would, I would have been heavily influenced probably instead of being uh, able to be so impartial. Mm-hmm. 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 So let's get down to it. What's happening? <laughs> well, so much at this time, and it may seem as if it's very, very chaotic and disruptive, but this is what happens when consciousness goes through a shift in, uh, in con- you know, not only are we affected internally in terms of awakening and shifting beyond our limitations and shifting beyond the roles and identities we've been in. But the greatest challenge is when this begins to become apparent in our external systems and structures. 
And really that's, I believe, what we're witnessing and what we've been witnessing throughout 2020 is a shifting consciousness beginning to reverberate out and be echoed in all of the systems for organization in terms of what we believe keeps us safe, in terms of how we believe things work and what works well, all of that is, is being brought into question. And one of the greatest uh, and significant reverberations we're experiencing from this great collective shift in consciousness is our belief systems are really being rattled because so much information right now, so much confusion, what to believe and what not to believe. Everybody's looking for answers. But generally, I think we're discovering once again that we need to come back to ourselves for our answers and be less reliant on what's going on around us to provide us with that sense of, of safety. So what's going on on Earth right now is a shift of human consciousness. Absolutely. Absolutely, and it begins internally. The awakening begins deep within ourselves, deep within ourselves, deep within how we feel about ourselves, questioning our identities, starting to wonder why we're here, starting to wonder if what we've been doing is really working for us, that kind of awakening, starting to ask questions. Because when we start to ask questions, that's a huge, huge indication of consciousness awakening with us. We start to ask the questions of ourselves, and then we start to look around us, and we start to ask questions about our world, and about our reality, about our humanity, and that is the precursor to change. So it begins within, and it begins to echo beyond us. And this year and last year, and I think for the next few years, we're going to see more of that questioning we've had within ourselves of our own worth and our own value, our own um, functionality, our own health, our own vitality, uh, and extending that into the systems and the world around us. Things being brought into question. Is this what you call a 5D reality? It's it's what we would call the awakening into the 5D reality because in 3D reality, we're very structured and systematic and repetitive and we experience cycles of repetition, cycles of experience. And we're very much organized into a structure where we absorb information, we take it, and then we repeat it. And moving into the 5D, it becomes about the human once again beginning to create. And when we create, we're not absorbing information, we're creating experiences that inform. We're creating new innovation. We're creating from a space of unknown and a space of asking the question. So up until this point in 3D reality, we've only been able to create permutations or versions of what is already in existence. It's been very difficult to truly experience anything new. We're excellent at repeating things. <laughs> so 5D is all about humans moving into an era of creation. And that's not just about innovation and bringing new ideas to, the, to our planet. 
It's also about bringing new versions of understanding for who we are. It's also about bringing new experiences so that we're not having the same patterns of behavior, the same patterns of thought, the same patterns of emotion that we have inherited and that we've been experiencing for so, so long. I'm uh, unclear as to why we would want to change those patterns if they've kept us here for so, so long. Well, this really comes down to a question of what humans are really designed for. And if we look at the biology of the cell and we look at the, the very structure and nature of who we are in our physicality, we are actually designed to create. We're creative beings. Creation is the very nature of our, of our biology. And yet what we've, what we've become is we've become replicated. We replicate roles. We replicate identity. We replicate experiences through memories and through absorbing external information. So we've become excellent reproducers. But reproduction doesn't create diversity to the extent that being a creator does. And if you look at the, the form of the earth and how, how it used to be, there was such an incredible diversity of life. And in fact, even within our, our DNA, and now designed biologically as humans, we're not actually designed to replicate things in uniformity. We're all about creating newness. And our world over hundreds of thousands of years has been one of become one of replication and productivity rather than creation. And creation is a very natural law and it is a very natural movement for expansion and evolution. Uh, we all want things to become expanded. We all want things to become more, experience more, grow more. That's the nature of, of consciousness. Indeed, it's the nature of the cosmos. The earth has become very, very imbued with a sense of repetition. One day becomes the next. One life becomes the next. And so moving back into our creative nature actually allows us to take the focus off repeating and back into creating life. Not surviving life, <laughs> but creating life. So it's a different focus. And I, I feel deeply within myself on a personal note that uh, it's truly what many people crave for, permission and opportunity to create something new. Do you have any idea what that new thing would look like or feel like? I think if we had a thought or a concept of what it looked like, it wouldn't be new because we would be referring it and taking reference for it from a concept we already have in our memories. So this is why I think so many people right now are in a position where they can't see ahead and they don't really know what they want. And they don't really know what to, where to go necessarily. Because newness is something that's become so forgotten by humanity 
we believe that we can have an idea of something that we want that's new. But if the idea is there already, it's not new yet. <laughs> so this is where we begin to live life spontaneously and we begin to watch what emerges from us approaching life in that way. So life becomes a bit of a surprise. <laughs> that fits in very well with an interesting idea that I formed when I heard about thresholds. And if you oh. take 10 billion atoms and you can find them in a space-time, they will spontaneously join together to create molecules. Mm-hmm. It won't be the end of atoms. We will still have atoms, but we will also have a more complex thing, molecules. I love that. If you take 10 billion molecules and can find them in a space-time, they will spontaneously combine to form single-cell organisms. Hmm. We still have atoms, we still have molecules, but now we also have something more complex, a single-cell organism. If you get... 10 billion single-cell organisms in a confined space-time, they will spontaneously combine to form multicellular organisms, of which we're an example. And how important... That's what I was taught in my mind, my Aquarius mind went, and what happens when we get 10 billion human beings in a confined space-time? We will then become the next more complex thing. And we can't imagine it any more than a paramecium could imagine us. <laughs> what a beautiful expression. What a beautiful expression. And I think, you know, what's important in there is the spontaneity of that creation and us allowing that spontaneity because we're so structured in our lives. We've become really beings who are incredibly scheduled. We like to predict. We like to strategize. And yet when we're open to possibility and we ask the question, what is possible? We're allowing spontaneity to do its thing. And that's a miracle to behold. The miracle is in the possibility. So you think there was an original human design. Tell us about that. So the original human design, and we've actually touched on that already in this conversation, I feel, is, is, is we're designed really for diversity of creation. Diversity of creation rather than consistency of creation, which becomes then reproductivity. People so say it, to me, Susan, how do you make so different, many different kinds of cheese? And I say, that's <laughs> extremely easy. What's hard is craft American singles. <laughs> you're, you're right? So to make the that. same cheese over and over again, you have to completely control the animals and what they eat. They have to eat the same thing all the time. There cannot be any diversity. It's what I call the sporeless universe of modern life. How beautiful. But it's, you know, look at how our lives are organized and the systems and structures in our world that encourage productivity and consistency and how we value consistency. It's, It's kind of unnatural in the context of what you're speaking about with cheese. <laughs> right. 
with cheese. I keep a herd of dairy goats. I make cheese. <laughs> well, I don't think humans. And of course, everything that the goats eat flavors the cheese. That's why to make the same cheese over and over again. I don't know if you have Kraft American singles there, but I'm sure you have the equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that absolutely bland, you know, stuff that is exactly the same all of the time. So I think that what you're saying is that for many people, the simple creative acts of baking bread or sewing a shoe or mending a sock or um, nurturing or teaching a child, that those simple acts that give our life meaning have been swept away in pursuit of productivity. Absolutely. I mean, we and see that left, And we're left feeling well, like cookie-cutter people who are hollow inside. Absolutely. I think you have, have hit it right on the head there. Um, and, and, you and, the masters, and you and the masters say, what? What do we do? Tell us. Well, we, we talk about how it's happening. We talk about how we're experiencing that because I think as we go through this this opening into possibility and into spontaneity, a lot of people are feeling disrupted. So we talk about that and we talk about what it's for and how it works. And And really, I think people have an opportunity to embrace the possibility that what worked for us before won't work for us anymore. So it's about finding new ways of creating, new ways of organizing our lives that are geared for spontaneity and creation, not for repetition. What are some of our forgotten inherent capacities? Well, the way in which we sense is incredibly important because I'm sure many of us uh, are aware that we tend to think rather than sense and that our thinking has become our major source of, of navigating and ascertaining our reality, whereas we have an incredible sensorial capacity that's not just about feeling our environment. It's about informing us about the possibilities of an environment. And that's the kind of thinking that comes from our biology that we can really begin to start to exercise as a muscle and start to use. And what better opportunity than during times of great confusion where we can't really rely on what we think we know anymore. We have to rely on what we sense. And this is where intuition becomes such an important part of our day-to-day life. Rebecca, tell us a little bit about your books. You've written two books, right? The oh, New actually, Human I've, Experience I've, and The Agreement? Oh, actually, I have several books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> tell us about your books. Those are the two we've chosen to highlight. So I've got a few paperbacks there, but and I've written quite a few e-books as well. Um, and a couple more are in the, are in the makings right now. But... Uh, The most recent one is The Agreement, which I feel is the most powerful book that we've written. Uh, And it's very current. It's for right now. And it's basically outlining the principles for life as we move forward into this next phase for humanity. 
how it works, how thought works, how relationships work, how emotions work, so that we can really begin to step out into a sense of feeling empowered rather than feeling confused and disoriented. All right, and what's the best way for people to get hold of a copy of the agreement? Being as how so most can, of the listeners are here in North America and you're all the way over there in Australia. <laughs> well, that's okay because uh, actually a large number of my community are based in, in America. Um, so you can find it through my website or on Amazon. And my website is my name, RebeccaDawson.net. And actually you can download the first chapter for free on my website, which is a really interesting chapter with lots of information about the body and how it's designed and how you can begin to use it differently. R-E-B-E-C-C-A-D-A-W-S-O-N. RebeccaDawson.com. And you can get the first chapter of the agreement for free right there and then lots of other things as well. It's actually hard to believe that, that our time has gone by so fast, Rebecca. How fascinating you are. Thank you so much for sharing with us um, this evening, our time, and uh, tomorrow, uh, your time there in Australia, as the time of the uh, our talk together that I ask you, what would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you right now? This is really a time to trust yourself and believe yourself and what you feel and what you know is true for you. So when you don't know what to believe, believe yourself. That's what I would leave you with. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca Dawson, for reminding us to trust ourselves. So vitally important. I believe that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you very much for being part of that reweaving, of reminding us. Well, it's my privilege. um, Of what, what we are all doing here together. And that we want it to be strong and supple and colorful and, uh, as you so lovingly put it, easy. Um, It takes a lot of guts to change. And uh, the more we resist, the more difficult it is. So thank you for helping make it easy and make it safer and make it um, more accessible to all of us. Sarah Ellen... You did so great, even though the mischievous imps came to test you. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for helping to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Love you, Justine. Love you, Monica Jean. Green blessings, everyone. Good night.